Lovely. Welcome to episode two of our lovely podcast. Chaos Effect History. We added history to the name. Hell yeah. I am Tyler Toledo. And I'm McLean. Hell yeah. So, uh, this is 2020 is finally over and it's been a wild year. Um, but some, Why? what's, what's been happening, Tyler? Uh, I'm going to bring up so, a couple words that might ring a bell. Fraud, voter suppression and recounts. You probably heard those a lot over 2020. No, not was, once. <laughs> there's not a particular political figure who never, who kept going over those words again and again, and is now doing them again, but with Georgia. Oh, the Georgia news was something. Um, to date this podcast episode, we had just recently learned of the recording of President Trump just telling them to find more votes in Georgia, <laughs> which is something but this has been a very chaotic but a very important election in our history uh of course i can't wait till we've passed this podcast on to like two other young film major nerds who are hopefully more diverse than us (laughs) and they're going oh my god how crazy was this this was when those two old guys were alive still and young and yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah we've uh obviously with the coronavirus being a thing our elections were up in the air like how are, how is this going to go we're going to have to rely a lot on mail-in ballots which you know totally fine mail-in ballots are supposed to be pretty safe however oh however it didn't go very it did not go very fine um so so how does this relate to today's episode well we're going to be talking about another election filled with fraud and voter suppression that one being the election of 1876 Ooh. now um the tr- the trump campaign and the uh the trump and biden uh election a lot of key differences but all the allegations of fraud the messiness of the electoral college system all and all, a lot of the uh, lasting effect, effects of the Reconstruction era very, very much play a huge role in today's politics. And we're just gonna get right back, get right into um, the Civil War, which I know you know quite a bit about as a reenactor. <laughs> yeah, light reenactor, mostly nerd. I like. My reenacting is like very, I kind of started as all everything went to shit. <laughs> but uh, yeah, what I know of the Civil War is politics were probably maybe more divided than they were now. And the issue was like, hmm, should we have some people in chattel slavery? Nah. Yeah. <laughs> and some other people were like, but we should because we're racist. 100 <laughs> yeah and by the way to whoever comments because i know this will happen the civil war is about state rights why don't you take a step back and shut the fuck up because uh, that state right they were fighting over was slavery 
I wrote in the script, <laughs> after the war, the United States needed to rebuild itself and figure out what the hell to do with the South after it broke up and try to be its own nation to protect states' rights to own slaves. If you think this, the South's goal was anything but slavery, you are factually incorrect. But anyway, good thing South didn't win. Our boys up North carried uh carried us to the war and got got the w but with the union victory and the leadership of president lincoln you would uh who's one of the most famous figures of all time and one of our favorite presidents you'd think everything would go fine right well um i'd assume i oh i feel like he went to a play and maybe something happened there yeah, but uh, he's. I t- I will say this: he is the only Republican we will simp for on this podcast. Well, he's the only Republican president I will simp for because I'm going to go into the radical Republicans and they're kind of epic. Oh yeah, I guess I should be more clear. When we're referring <laughs> to Republicans in this episode. It's not at all the same part. Like I did do a little bit of background on the difference between Republicans and Democrats at the time. Two totally different parties. Yes. I'm sure you'll explain a little bit, but I'll um, take the reins. The party switch is not a key focus of this episode, but uh, to put it into context, right now, up north, very blue, Democrats. Down south, very red, Republicans. Around the 1860s and 1870s, flip-flop, Republican north, Democrats south. Why that happened is not the focus of this, but it happened. And you, the Republicans today calling themselves the party of Lincoln is funny because they're not at all. Yeah. <laughs> but so uh, so we're, 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 let's keep going with this. Lincoln gets iced in the theater. Ooh. Yes. Yeah. And who else do we get but good old Andrew Johnson, who is by far my least favorite president because this guy is an asshole. And there's no getting around that. Didn't he pretty much like Lincoln was about to do all this great stuff that would have been really great for the progress of mankind and, you know, freeing slaves and unity in the country. And then he basically like undo it all. Okay. So Andrew Johnson is a Democrat from Tennessee who Lincoln appointed as vice president, obviously not expecting to get shot. Um, But the the, um, process behind choosing a Democrat like that as his vice president is like, he's trying to like heal the divide in the country. So obviously like having somebody from the other side is, sounds like a good move, except when that person becomes the president and everything goes to hell. Uh, Andrew Johnson is a huge, huge racist. And he's very much lenient with the South following the Civil War and during the Reconstruction era, which is problematic. And the radical Republicans hate that. Um, The radical Republicans in Congress uh, fought for... The idea that blacks and whites are should be equal, which kind of funny to think about these people were called radicals, just thinking like, hey, maybe maybe we should have equal rights. 
I also point out Andrew Johnson looks like a really old Tucker Carlson. He does. <laughs> um. Imagine the North wanting to free the slaves. Now, imagine... I can't go on with that one. I can't do a good Tucker Carlson. But um, the, the, the Republicans in Congress are able to get a lot done despite Andrew Johnson's opposition. They're, they, they overrode his vetoes on things like the 14th Amendment, which is one of the most important amendments in our Constitution, uh, which grants citizenship to all natural-born Americans. So if you're... a if you were a former slave, you won't now have protection under the law. And the Reconstruction Acts also are able to enforce those laws in the South, which obviously they were not very popular over there. But it divided the South into five military districts. And the Northern forces occupied the South for quite a bit of time. So... In the South, obviously, it's not perfect for Black Americans, but it's getting a lot better, uh, considering just a couple years ago they were slaves. Um, you, and um, this kind of thing comes back later. The Reconstruction Acts and the military occupa- occupation of the South, huge sticking point for, for things to come, but Black Americans it's starting to finally look up for them. Of course, Andrew Johnson's black codes does not do them any favors. Uh, Basically it's slavery, but you, you you take the word slave and replace it with Negro and uh, Oh boy, black codes, not great. And they paved the way for some bad stuff down the lines, but overall things like the 14th amendment and the civil rights act of 1866 are all decent steps forward. It's like reconstruction takes like a bunch of big leaps forward, but also like a bunch of even bigger leaps backwards. It's a really weird period of time in American history. Well, and this one's when I believe things like the crow, you know, uh, what are they called? The uh, Jim Crow laws. Yes. That, that comes a little later and that comes after this election over here. Right. So we, I mean, I think we kind of start seeing some of that manifest when like essentially right. the language has to change. Well, instead of slavery, we'll just make them be really low wage workers. Right. Because in order to be, like, of course you have like equal protection under the law, but in order to be truly equal, you need to have provide equal economic and political opportunities which a lot of a lot of the radical Republicans would have uh, supported uh, redistribution of land from white plantation owners to give uh, black farmers a place to like re- uh, rebuild themselves economically. But obviously that was not a popular proposition in the South. But in order to like actually have that equality, you need, you need that kind of economic opportunity which wasn't really there, but um, getting into uh, closer to the elections, we have incumbent president Ulysses Grant. And Grant's actually considered running for a third term. He was a two-term president. And obviously that's not a popular decision. So 
it's just tradition to only run for two terms since uh, George Washington. Right. And could you like kind of uh, talk about that? Because in modern, because modern, this is something you can't do. It's a two term right. limit. The 23rd Amendment. Um, right. Which is ratified after FDR wins four terms. <laughs> really? insane another president we uh at least i sim for on this podcast yeah um and yeah just to be clear like because i think i've heard people making that on an argument for why donald trump could run for a third term but then we get to the fact he didn't win this term so. <laughs> like you can't you can't go for a third term if you don't win, you win your second but the, the because of the 23rd amendments uh we do have term limits which wasn't a thing yet uh, at the time of Grant's presidency, but it was really just tradition to not do it. He decides not to do it um, for a couple reasons. Grant's administration was iffy. Grant is a cool guy. I like I like Ulysses Grant, but he's he wasn't the greatest. Um, uh, he is technically my general, and I do respect him. We do. I mean, when it gets to first peoples. Uh, he gets a little questionable. Yeah. So he's he's one of the people that are like, I like you as a person, but this presidency was uh, rocky because not only did we have the panic of 1873, which is the Great Depression before the 1929 Great Depression. You also have the Grant administration, which is riddled with scandal. Grant seems to be an honest dude, and he didn't really benefit that much from the behind-the-scenes trickery. But it is undeniable that he appointed some really bad people to his cabinet, and there's corruption, bribery, and not, and the the economy is in shambles. So the Republican Party is in a rough spot because that reputation hurts, and not only with the um, economic depression um are people suffering it also makes them like not care about reconstruction like if you're in the north and you are economically suffering the last thing you're thinking about is like hey maybe we should provide equal rights for blacks in the south especially like if you're in like the late 1800s it's like um you can't really think about like northern all northerners as like these altruistic uh, abolitionists in a lot of sense because Nah, there's a lot of northerners that's still very racist. Yeah, I mean Grant owned slaves, owned slaves. Um he it well uh, it, that's a misconception when I say that. He didn't really own them. He actually freed the slaves, but he was related to people who owned slaves. Grant Grant was a abolitionist. Right. His father owned slaves and I misspoke there. And um Grant's um, Grant's administration gave us the 15th amendment which is even more important for the election because uh the 15th amendment states that the rights of citizens of the united states to vote shall not be denied or abridged by the united states or by any state on account of race color or previous condition of servitude yeah so oh sorry i'm just going to clarify what i meant grant was gifted slaves by his father-in-law and then freed them right away Mm -hmm. um but so like you'll hear that myth that Grant owned slaves. He didn't. He his father in law did. But it was really common for people in the North to own slaves, even. Yeah, but uh, Grant's administration gave us the Fifteenth Amendment, and this means that all black men—sorry, women—you don't get your chance just yet. 
Uh, you still got to wait a couple years from <laughs> for that one. Just to like 1920 or so. <laughs> yeah. But all black men, almost all of whom were Republicans, are allowed to vote. Because why? if you're a black person, why are you a Democrat at that time? Just, um, but the Republican candidates for this election is going to be Rutherford Hayes from Ohio. Hayes has a pretty big reputation and was pretty popular. Uh, he, was born, he was born and raised in Ohio. He went to Kenyon College. Um, he was born in 1822, I believe. And uh, he, was a, he was a Civil War veteran. He, he enlisted in the 23rd Ohio Volunteer Infantry and rose to the rank of general by the end of the war. And uh, before the war, he was a lawyer. He, he practiced law at um, Harvard. And he, was, he defended a lot of fugitive slaves, um, such as Rosetta Armstrong, to help them win their freedom in the state of Ohio. Um, after, after the war, he was a congressman briefly, and then he became the governor. So he was governor at the time that he was running for president. Um, but he's facing a very fractured Republican Party. Nobody's, nobody on the Republican Party is really on the, on the same page, and their reputation is kind of in the gutter from the previous administration. But the promise of having like a lot of new black voters and the, the um, Republicans still very much had a lot of influence. It wasn't that bad, but it's, it's definitely not looking great for him. But on the other side is Samuel Tilden. So I feel like we're going to get to a, just a point. I'm just going to ask now, are we dealing with like, this guy has some fairly progressive ideas for the 1800s and the other guy wants to take us back to the dark ages type politics or. Um, no, actually. Um, okay. Samuel Tilden is from New York. So right. he's, he's still a Democrat, but like, he's, he's not like the kind of uh, Southerner, like typical redneck, like racist Southerner. That you think about when you think about like this kind of era of not whistling Dixie. Yeah, he's he's okay. So he opposed Lincoln's election, um, and he was in support of a lot of Andrew Johnson's uh, moves. But Tilden isn't really like a stalwart um, like slavery defender, and a lot of Tilden's reputation lies on his. Um, successes against uh monopolies and corruption tilden has a pretty is pretty popular for fighting corruption in new york and he was also so we have a battle of the governors the governor from ohio versus the governor from new york um they're not but these guys aren't really heavy hitters like um before i was drawing comparisons to like to the 2020 election and when you think of people like Donald Trump, like he's this, he, he's an awful, awful human being, but he has like this like strong personality to him. Like people love Donald Trump, not because of his policies or anything, but they love him as a person. And he says the things we're thinking. Like when he says those racisms, <laughs> I'm thinking those me. racisms too. He's not afraid to say how it is, <laughs> but um, 
There goes our two of our five listeners. There goes the two who liked Trump. Yep. Uh, Bye. But, yeah, no, these guys aren't like soup. Like they have pretty big reputations, but they're not like super popular uh, figures themselves. Would this be like if the current governor of Ohio, whoever the hell that is, and the current governor of Pennsylvania ran against each other? Because I'm only like half sure who my governor is and I live in my state. <laughs> Uh, you know, it, it would probably be similar to that because uh, the personality of the president, like that, like the the president isn't as powerful as you think of it today, and like he isn't like that present in like how we think about uh, the role until like later on. Like I would say, like Teddy Roosevelt is one of like the few like super popular well, president that pop that pops up. Yeah, so I, I like give an understanding of like where Tyler and I difference in how we understand history here. I am far better at 20th century history and like Europe and Asian history. Is this more like, I'm trying to put this in perspective here at this time, it would be more like your Senator or governor mattered a lot more to you as an individual yeah. than well, the president. I would say the con Congress has the most power here. Yeah. Yeah, um, that's true. The House of Representatives is most is I think would be the biggest heavy hitter in politics. The Senate's also really important, and so is the pre like they're all they're all super important, but especially like the shows of power that the House of Representatives has under like Johnson's administration, where they're pretty much able they're able to override his veto and then they impeach him. That's that's pretty baller, but um. I, but I, I want to take some time to actually acknowledge the third party candidate. We have one of those here, Peter Ooh. Cooper. Peter Cooper ran for the newly formed Greenback Party, which opposed monopolies and supported the s expansion of the Greenback currency. So the Greenback currency was distributed by the North after the Civil War, and it's it's a it's a non gold back paper money, and these guys hated the gold standard. Um, little did they know their dream would come true about a hundred years later in 1971. Um, quick question. <laughs> is this related at all to the green party of today or is that just similar uh, names? Okay. Uh, it, it's, it's just similar names. The greenback party is mostly about um, the expansion of paper currency. Okay. Um, and they were dissolved around like eight in like the 1880s. They didn't really stick around very long, but Cooper is an interesting person because not only does he have the wildest beard, maybe not the wildest, but not one of the wildest. It's, it's one of the wildest beards in America, in the history of American politics. He is actually the one who designed and invented the first steam locomotive, which. How don't we uh, talk about this more? Right. Like the guy who invented the steam train ran for president, which it's that's that's weird to me but it's i, I was i thought that was really interesting. i was gonna say like, that sounds like a really cool candidate but now i just had the thought like who would be the closest thing to that and it would be elon musk and i would hate that <laughs> ew like well, no there are people that probably genuinely think elon musk should run for president or like despite him being born in south africa <laughs> yeah i i'm aware of that but like i don't think anybody had born in america has done any great inventing maybe bill gates there's plenty of uh, innovators, but 
Yeah, but uh, the steam train, I mean, the steam train changes the world forever. This is this is an incredible invention. But like not only was the Greenback Party like nothing compared to the Democrats and Republicans, dude was also 85 at the time. I think he ran for president. So he was basically running in a coffin. Yeah, like I think he's the oldest person to run for president is but and, like, I, and give or take i'm saying that given like two i think the oldest presidential candidate was just elected was i know john mccain was like mega old because i remember yeah. i remember that i remember back in 2008 when i was a child it was like the first black president versus the oldest president which one's a bigger achievement <laughs> Uh, I hate this country so much. <laughs> All right, yeah, keep going now with our uh, old dead man. The election begins as each state tallies up their votes. The winner is becoming more and more clear. Samuel Tilden seems to be the winner here. He has 184 out of the 185 electoral votes needed to win and was leading the popular vote by like 200,000. So it seems an obviously obvious shoe in for Tilden. But when you're looking at the 45 presidents of the United States, I don't see a Samuel Tilden in there. So at the end of the day, the election results are unclear. So you're leaving election day and everyone's just like, wait, what the hell happened? So what happened is 20 electoral votes were disputed across Louisiana, South Carolina and Florida with one elector in Oregon needing to be replaced. So, uh-oh, sticky situation over here. We don't have a president and these states need to assign their electors. What do we do? We have a, we have a plan for this kind of thing. Uh, these are called contingent elections. So basically, when you have a situation like that in the electoral college, the House of Representatives is supposed to step in and elect the president, and the Senate is supposed to choose the vice president. But this doesn't go very well. Of course, people are very, very divided on what to do about this. Um, and there's, the tensions are super high, and everyone's afraid of violence breaking out. So that that plan doesn't really work out. So instead they have to make a commission of about 15 men. Uh, eight of them are Democrat. I mean, eight of them are Republicans and seven of them are Democrats. And unsurprisingly, the vote ends up being totally on party lines. Who would have guessed? Um, the, commi- the committee was made of a mixture of people from the house the uh, the Senate and Supreme Court justices. I think um, there was five House members, uh, five Supreme Court justices, and it was like five senators. And Sam Samuel Tilden loses on this decision. The eight republic, the, this eight to seven vote gave Rutherford Hayes the remaining twenty electoral votes. And guess what this uh, total is? What? It is 185 to 184 electoral votes. 
Page Holy. wins by a margin of one elector. Okay. This, despite Tilted still having the plurality of over 200,000. So over 200,000 people voted for Tilden over Hayes, and he lost the Electoral College by one vote. Um, it feels like we should that's be done. Your it feels like we should be done right now, but I feel like there's going to be so much more after the, these next words you're going to say. Right. Because <laughs> like your party, we loses. had a blowout win just now, like in election. Like as far as I'm concerned, we had a, a pretty clear winner, and people are debating it. So how did this go down? It didn't go down well at all. Uh, if if that's your party and you're a Democrat, and you just lost on the decision of eight to seven. To while still winning the popular vote by a margin of one electoral college vote, you're gonna be pissed. Um, there is allegations of fraud on both sides, where the Democrats are comp- are claiming that the Republicans aren't counting the votes for Tilden, and the Republicans are claiming that the Democrats are using voter intimidation to stop the black votes, which was true. Uh, <laughs> I, I I don't know about the validity of the Democrats' claims, but I do know that voter intimidation and voter suppression of Black voters is very real, and violence against Black people is a huge, huge problem in the South. Because oh, it's sad that that's actually still a problem, <laughs> right? Like the Ku Klux Klan was formed in 1866 and they're still active around this time period. And they're so the South will stop at anything to prevent black people from voting, especially the democratically uh, run South with this huge population now of eligible voters that are black and Republican. So the Democrats are terrified of losing their power to the black people. So because not only does it threaten their uh, white society, it also threatens their their power. So, <clears throat> of, of course, the, the voter intimidation was definitely a real problem. And it only gets worse after that. Because the compromise... Every history podcast should just be called a, oh, it's, but wait, it gets worse. Podcast. But wait, there's more. <laughs> But wait, there's more suffering. Okay, let's go. Okay. So, um, remember the Reconstruction Act where the North occupies the South and enforces the laws made by the government among reluctant Southern uh, legislators? Yeah, seems pretty good. Yeah. So, the comprom- there's a compromise made. The Democrats... Um, Give the election to Hayes. Oh, no. Hayes is the winner. We have a Republican in the White House. So that's cool, I guess. Hey, uh, the, the Democrats are like, fine, whatever. You can have the presidency. But we win the South because the compromise is that Hayes wins the White House, but the North has to leave the South. This pretty much ends Reconstruction in its entirety. 
the the north no longer occupying the south like it did basically leaves the south open to do whatever the hell that they want um obviously they have to like work within like the constitutional laws but not only does it give states more freedom to impose more restrictive laws it also ends up being a major step backwards for black Americans because at this point, the Democrats are pretty much in total control of the South and they can do whatever the the hell they want to not only make sure that they're uh, not equal citizens, but also to stop them from some uh, stop them from voting. Right. Cause like, if you read about like history at this time, there were actually like several black politicians and whatnot who were entering certain levels of government. And then you just get to a part of your textbook where there suddenly aren't any more. I guess this is the part of the textbook where there suddenly aren't any more. Oh, that, that those pretty much go away. Um, you you have like, like, especially after like the ratification of the 15th amendments where black people have much more of a presence in politics they end up being there. There end up being quite a few uh, black elected officials, but uh, you, after uh, Reconstruction ends, the North just doesn't give a shit about the South anymore. So the South just does whatever it wants. Um, you get stuff like the grandfather clause, which uh, is very problematic because basically that's saying that you can vote if your grandfather could vote. But if you're a black person in the South, your grandfather was almost certainly a slave and there's no way in hell your grandfather could vote. Oh, uh, this is just gross, like this part of history. Yeah. Um, And you also have like um, mandatory uh, tests that you have to take, which obviously creates is an even bigger like gatekeeper from preventing people to vote especially amongst an uneducated population in the south um yeah and then this just opens the door for things like jim crow laws to emerge where we have the idea of separate but equal and you can like all right black people you can live here but you go over there and we'll go over here. Our stuff is going to be much nicer. And who gives a f- fuck all about whatever you're doing over there? Yeah, I think the separate but equal thing is probably like, it's depending on your textbook. I know people who got separate but equals played off as like, oh, it worked out for a while, but then we decided to fully integrate. Um, no. And then I know other people who like get the right version, which is like, yeah, the white people got like, you know, a let's use the water fountain as an example of a cooled off water fountain that was like perfectly fine. Then the other side got a water fountain that basically dispensed liquid lead. Right. So this needless to say, this this still affects us to this day. The legacy of Jim Crow and the end of reconstruction has been incredibly problematic for American society. Um, obviously we have like the, like the civil rights movements in the 1950s and the 1960s, which addressed a lot of the problems that had been building up in American society over all these years. And 
were they're able to make significant strides, but you you can notice that like on paper, all of these things sound great. The 13th Amendment gets rid of slavery. The 14th Amendment guarantees citizenship. The 15th Amendment guarantees voting rights. But at the same time, there's, again, for every step you take forward, there's so many steps taken backwards. Around the time that we're having the 14th Amendment, we also have black codes. We're, they're trying to build up like the Freedmen Bureau and like provide education for black Americans, but they're also going to be victimized by racial violence or going to be, ha- have their rights significantly hampered by American society. And there's, they don't have enough economic opportunities. And this just doesn't go away. And uh, to people who think that these problems just snapped away especially like at 1964 when they signed that civil rights act a blanket just put on the infinity gauntlet snapped away the uh racisms in america we did it america racism is no more anyway sorry my shitty jokes aside uh, you're <laughs> saying you have so many moments in history where on paper this all sounds great but the actual execution of it ends up falling flat and that's the tragedy of america it's 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 this idealistic paradise on paper but the deeper you dig into it and the way it's taught to you you just you just think of like wow we are expected to believe that this is the best country in the world and we're we have a problematic history but we fixed it but stuff like this goes to show like Nothing goes away. Yeah. Um, I wanted to specifically talk. I, 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 I thought this topic was super interesting. Again, yeah, I mean, back is, to. I think slavery in America is a subject when most people, especially white people, tend to clench up and go, Ugh. and uh, yeah, I don't want to talk about it, but it needs you, to be talked about. It needs to be talked about all the time because whether you want to believe it or not, the legacy casts a large shadow that goes past the signing of the 13th Amendment. You can't just say like, yeah, and Lincoln ended slavery and it was all, uh, it was all slavery ended because then after that, especially like you, you get sharecropping, which is basically, it's not slavery technically, but it's slavery with more steps. It's slavery with extra steps. Uh, it, that, that ends up being like kind of like a serfdom system where you're like tied to the land and you'll never be able to pay off your debts. Well, so. and the 13th <laughs> Amendment in itself like is a has some problems because we get you get into things like prison and stuff like that, like how right. prison labor is kind of considered slavery, and then just how like it. There's so much. So I, I kind of want to get back to our candidates here real quick, though. Right. Unless you have more of your story to go on. Uh, I was going to tie it into um, the more electoral stuff. because Let's go with that then. I'll, I'll hold off on my analogies till later. So what's really interesting about this is you would think – after such a blunder and failure of the system that, hey, 
maybe the electoral college has some problems. Which, like, hmm, Th- this system might not work all the time. Who would have thunk? What if we let the individual vote for things and we vote for things based on the populace of what the population thinks? No, because that's wrong, apparently. Uh, Who would have thought that having people, specifically men only at this time, uh, vote for people to vote for president instead of just voting for president? That's, That's cool and all. Um, and you would think at, at this point, de- with how much of an upset that this was for Democrats, that Democrats would be like, hey, this system sucks. This is rigged. But Democrat, again, the Democrats lost the White House, but they won the election. Because by keeping the Electoral College, despite losing this bad, Nobody's really talking about abolishing the electoral college because what the electoral college does and what inherently it's designed to do is keep the status quo no matter how flawed it is. Uh, when If you're a Democrat in the South, not only would getting rid of the electoral college uh, provide more power to the blacks because like oh god god forbid black people having rights apparently um but it also you get into that issue like well my state's much less populated than something like new york where's my say and to that i say uh i see where you're coming from but you're wrong yeah, what about the minority of people who have a different opinion to you in your state? Right. It's all like no matter what, like you're if if you live in a rural state and you are afraid that your vote will not count as much. No, I like your vote counts just as much as somebody who, who's in the city does. Your one vote counts the same as somebody who lives in New York's vote. Just the same. You're just worried like that the cities obviously would outnumber you in in your beliefs. But if that's the major if that's what the majority of Americans want, that represents the majority of Americans' needs. So was there any like ever any question of if this was the right system to go that you could find while looking at this for the Electoral College? I I didn't find it, I did not find much like opposition to the sit to the system, which shock, which is why I brought it up because, uh, like obviously like I'm very opposed to the electoral college and especially like in its application, uh, recently, but when I was when I was sitting here reading this and I'm like, I'm reading about this election and just like doing so much research, I'm like. This is such an obvious flaw, and everyone just like went with it. Everyone was just like cool with that. I'm sure there's some people like who are opposed to that. And if you listener knows more about that, please, uh, I would love to know. 
more, but I just, I, I, the issue on the validity of the electoral college never came up in my research. And um, that shocked me. Right. So can we, uh, we want to move into discussion zone here or do we got more to talk about the story or. No, this, this, the story is pretty much over, but. Right. Uh, um, discussion. So we got Cooper, who's my favorite steam engine designing a presidential <laughs> candidate ever, but so. You said, uh, holy crap, I forgot his name, Democrat's name. Samuel Tilden. Tilden. So Tilden wasn't necessarily what we would consider dem- a normal Democrat at this time, right? Yeah. Um, he, he's, again, like, he's a New Yorker. Um, so his interests are more with in line with the people of New York. So it's more like uh, business reform and fighting corruption mm-hmm. and that that's really where most of uh his energy is spent but being a- aligned with the democratic party in general comes with that burden of the south pretty much right i i also think this is a story about why compromise is really dangerous not to say you should never compromise but like we live in an era where it's like, well, we should try to work with the Republicans or we should try to work with the Democrats. And it's like sometimes consolidating power is more useful than compromising and losing your values, right? Like, am I the... Yeah. Like, if it's, you're talking, like, how this turned out, this was a compromise that devastates the country, I'm going to say, and will devastate us for a long period of history. Yeah, because... Sure. Rutherford himself is, seems like a decent dude. Um, he like he's he's very much like he he, he he's I don't I don't know if he's like really like a radical Republican, but like he ends up kind of like leaning more towards them. He's like he's an abolitionist. So he's he you again before he before his presidency, he's spending a lot of his time like defending uh, fugitive slaves. So by no means do I think like he intended for any of this to happen but the reality of it is when you have to uh uh make compromises this you lost everything you fought for yeah and that's this is a really sad episode now. It's a really sad episode but i think this stuff Wait, our last episode Hey, they caught the two guys didn't get away and nobody got hurt. This episode, so many people got hurt, like indirectly to like. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah, I'll, I'm like still trying to comprehend this a lot in my brain. Um, so, yeah, I mean, also the other thing is too, I, I feel like we should talk a little bit about party difference too. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Uh, I was literally about to say that like this whole thing is about party dynamics. Nobody gives a shit about uh, uh, Samuel Tilden or Rutherford Hayes. They yeah. care about the Republican and Democratic Party. Yeah. And like, I feel like we just had, at least on the Democratic side of things, we definitely saw big example of uh democrats being very divided over somebody not just voting with party line in terms of aoc versus nancy pelosi on that right and i I think that that's something very relevant is sometimes people are expecting just party complete like so from what like you know 
we have a Democratic candidate who doesn't sound like he was in favor of the Southern Democrat idea of things, right. or at least to the degree that it was expected. And then we have a Republican who tended to not necessarily be a radical Republican, but almost more of like somebody who would have tried to do his best with. Like trying to advance civil rights to a degree. Mm-hmm. And like, so I think this podcast, it's called chaos history or chaos effect history because I stole the name idea from a line in Jurassic Park when they talk about how there's a cause and effect to everything. And there really is. Like, I can't think of anything in history that doesn't affect us to this day. And this might be the greatest example of that. Right. And it's also, there's the cliche saying that history repeats itself. And it does. And you need to be able to acknowledge that because you again time after time you have elections like this that this this isn't the first and it's not going to be the last like it happened a couple times there was a really good professor at our school quimpiac university he said something with me that will always stick history might not be uh might not repeat itself but it sure does rhyme Mm -hmm. and like i was just like you're saying things like these candidates don't have different views, but it's kind of the way they carry themselves and like the parties they represent that really it was what mattered to people. Yeah, no, like, um, would Samuel Tilden have made a better president? I don't know. I couldn't tell you. Uh, but these guys themselves, uh, and the, the Democratic and Republican uh, parties in general aren't as different as you would think but it's all it's it's always been about which party can maintain power and because at because at this time um the democrats hadn't had the white house in a while because we just uh they, they had they had johnson who's only president because lincoln died but what right. was the, and we also do have Garfield not too long after this, but he dies like a hundred days in, I believe. Yeah, Garfield dies not early. Yeah. So We're, we might do an episode on that. Uh, yeah. Damn, does I, that. I feel so bad for my man Garfield. <laughs> and his and getting shot isn't the worst part about his death. No, it's actually really, that, that's a very uh, interesting story. That should come up later, <laughs> but uh, the not not only the racial and economic dynamics, but the party dynamics of our politics uh, have always played a major role in our history. And the way that everything comes together the race the race relations, the economic disparity, and the political uh, bickering. Everything comes together in this perfect shitstorm in 1876 and 1877. It's really insane, and we ha- have not recovered <laughs> from that legacy since. If how much of our history is just like us tripping over ourselves and falling on our face like a bunch of idiots? Like, I, like I, it's just America. Like, we don't even have to talk about world history because. 
<laughs> we do a lot by like a lot of destructive things by accident. Yeah. Yeah. With sometimes with good intentions that just don't work out. Yeah, I mean like pure evil. <laughs> there's the time we did drop two sons on the country because it was believed that could be the only option to stop. Um <laughs> No, 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 that was just a flex. I gotta be real. <laughs> yeah, that it really was, but like and then you 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 got shit like um Vietnam where you really just shot yourself in the foot to prevent the spread of communism, but then just made it the situation worse and then ended up losing and embarrassing yourself. It's uh, American history is very complicated, and that's why I'm super into it. It's super depressing, and it's n- it's n- it's mostly not a good time. But like, there's so many moments of greatness sprinkled in with moments of tragedy, and reconciling those differences and understanding how that legacy affect- affects our society today is super important. And I think it's something that everybody should be aware of. Right. Um... Yeah, I, I'll, I'll, I'm not going to top you on that in terms of sentiment. I do want to say, though, I think this episode really does encapsulate what our podcast is about more so than our first episode, even. And that is actually going to bring me to we're going to talk a little bit about the future of this podcast here really shortly. So first off, we will be having some social medias where you could find us on Twitter and you'll most likely find us at chaos effect history at put your social media preferred here. Um, We will also plan on doing a Patreon. What that Patreon will do is give you early access to episodes and down the road, some bonus content, hopefully in the future. And then the last thing we were saying, we will be actually taking questions to answer from you guys who are listening at the end of this podcast. If you email us at chaos effect history at gmail.com, that is chaos effect history at gmail.com all one word if, if you have something to add or if you just want to tell us that we got something wrong and want to correct us yeah feel free to reach out because i uh i'm very open to that kind of i'm thing. not a historian i don't have i like in my opinion to call yourself a historian you should have like at least a master's in my and that's my personal opinion that's what i that's i mean hopefully that's in the future but yeah i'm history and yeah. um, I, I I did a lot of research for this, but obviously I can't. I, I I don't know everything. If you're somebody who knows a lot more than we do, reach um, out. If you're the inventor of the steam engine, hit us. Up. Please 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 reach out if you're the inventor of steam engine. You are the coolest person ever. You might have destroyed the environment and caused uh, a lot of mis- misery inadvertently, um, but trains are cool. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm going to say of like all the horrible things people have invented that cause destruction, that's probably like the least bastardy. I mean, there's the dude who invented chlorine gas. Yeah. I mean, like, the, the railroad is specifically like, yeah, sure, now you can get across the country, but like the amount of uh, pain caused to build the railroads and stuff, uh, especially like around in, in america where you had to like displace Amer- native americans and then slaughter all their buffalo i'm just yeah. gonna say this how many of the railroads that they existed were built on slave labor too yeah. 
Well, um, anyway, on that <laughs> anyway, on that happy note, I will since we don't have a question from you, the lovely listeners yet, I have brought a question that I found on TikTok. Uh, Tyler, if you could fight any historical figure, who are you fighting? I'm fighting Andrew Johnson on site. I <laughs> um he 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 came up quite a bit in this episode, and I have stated that he is my least favorite president. And if I die and go to hell and I find Andrew Johnson, it's over for him. Or even if we go to heaven, it's like, hey, can I have asked for one favor before I go through the pearly <laughs> gates? <laughs> Um, Andrew Johnson. I, I think for me, it's a really close call between two utter bastards. One would be D.W. Griffith, um, for making Birth of a Nation and Birth us having to talk about a clan sympathizer every year in film class that we had talk about film that, history. That, that shit hurts because, like, <laughs> Birth of a Nation is like this revolutionary film about the clan. Yeah, and then. My second would be King Leopold. And let me tell you, oh. that like I, I'm going to do some crap to him that he will never forget. <laughs> yeah. King Leopold is a very valid uh, <laughs> choice. There's yeah. a lot of very valid choices, but. Yeah. Anyway, on that note, we'll see you next week. Every day on Wednesday. Not every day then, just on Wednesdays, once a week for now. We might have to talk about that. You people are awesome. Goodbye.